I'm Nuno Gomes, and this is Próxima Jornada. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Próxima Jornada podcast. Today, I would like to focus on Benfica and their recent transfer activity. The arrivals of Jan Vertonghen, Sebolina and Luca Waldschmidt are real statements of intent from the Lisbon side, and each transfer gives Benfica something a little bit different. Today's episode will feature two pre-recorded interviews, one with commentary legend and Bundesliga expert Derek Ray, and the other with the evening standard journalist Dan Kilpatrick. I thank both of my guests for coming on today and taking the time out of their busy schedules to speak to me. And hopefully it gives a little bit of insight into both Jan Vertonghen's move from a Tottenham Hotspur perspective with Dan Kilpatrick and also a Bundesliga and German insight into the Luca Waldschmidt transfer. Now, first of all, admittedly, I didn't know too much about Luca Waldschmidt when he was announced. The former Freiburg man is a full German international and at 24 years of age, he's still developing. A lot of Benfica fans have been asking and wondering about what type of player he is and what he can offer the club. I reached out to Derek because if anybody knows the Bundesliga, it's him. So again, a big thank you to Derek for giving up his time to talk with me. It was an absolute pleasure. Here's my interview with Derek Ray. Hi Derek, before we get started, I just want to say a big thank you for coming on to the show today. Thank you for having me, Aaron. So, we'll get straight into it. Derek, what can you tell the Benfica fans about Luca Waldschmidt? What type of player can they expect to see and, and what do you think he can do at Benfica? Well, what I think we can say to Benfica fans is they are getting an exciting talent and somebody who really has come to the fore in the last couple of years. He's been much more on the radar amongst fans generally in the last couple of years. He's a player who I would describe as um, somebody who can create as well as score. He's not just a sort of a fixed forward who will finish. Um, He does have a flair for the spectacular. He's left-footed, we should say, initially. And if you think of German players of the last 10, 15 years, the one who I think most people would mention as maybe the sort of player who Waldschmidt resembles is Lukas Podolski. Um, He's that sort of player. He does have explosive qualities. He has that you know, wonderful left foot, and he can score from long distance. That's very much in his game. Um, he's not somebody who's going to necessarily, you know, play with his back to goal and work others in that way. He's somebody who will drop a bit deeper and get involved in the build-up. He's somebody who I think German fans are very interested in because you know he's had a taste of national team football. We can get into the injury he suffered against Belarus at the end of last year, which held him back a little bit. It was actually a very bad injury, not just a facial injury, but other body parts as well. And took him a little bit of time to come back from that. But it's an exciting move, and I think you're going to see an exciting player. I'm sure the Benfica faithful will be very encouraged by those words. Now, last season, Derek, I noticed he played a lot in a two-up top. He operated sometimes on his own, and he also played both on the left and right-hand side. So it strikes me as someone who's quite a versatile player, uh, albeit I don't know as much about him as you do. Where do you see his best position and what formation do you think can get the best out of him? Well, I think that working under Christian Streich, who has greatly respected the longtime coach of Freiburg, has helped him. It's made him more versatile. And Freiburg do sometimes play with two up front, but they do equally sometimes play with just the one, depending upon their opponents. And 
he's somebody who I think has improved on that front, working under Streich in the last couple of years. He was almost a forgotten man, you know, for a while because he scored, you know, prolifically at youth level coming through. There was a bit of buzz about him, but then he struggled to score when he first sort of made his way with the Eintracht Frankfurt first team. He was, he was a product of the, the Frankfurt youth system. Um, then he went to Hamburg and a couple of years there took him time to score goals there as well, but famously scored an important one when they beat Wolfsburg on the last day of the 2016-2017 season as Hamburg actually stayed up that year. They were to eventually go down following that in the year after that, but 2017, he helped them stay up. But it was the move to Freiburg that made him the more complete player and brought him really more onto the radar of Joachim Löw, the national team coach, and as I said, he was just really getting started with Germany and suffered that bad injury with Belarus. But I think that you know Benfica will have done their homework on him and they will have seen somebody who uh, is not just a one-dimensional player, somebody who they will feel they can make better as well. And I think the move in Germany is being viewed with some interest because in the past you would have thought somebody like Waldschmidt, the next move for him would have been maybe back up the Bundesliga ladder. But he's chosen something different. He's chosen something maybe more adventurous. And, you know, he's certainly going to be somebody who is watched by Love and by the national team while he goes about his business in Portugal. Just to pick up on your points uh, regarding possibly moving up the Bundesliga table, perhaps moving to one of those teams that are challenging for Europe. He's decided to go an alternative route. He's decided to, at 24 years of age, leave Germany and move to Portugal, a country where he'd have to adapt to new cultures and customs, learn a new language and obviously compete in a completely different league. What do you think motivated the decision to leave Germany behind and and pursue a new adventure? It's difficult to get into the head of Waldschmidt on that front, but I think we know enough about him to know that he did want maybe something a little bit different, that if you look at his career trajectory so far, as I said, it was Frankfurt as a youth player, Frankfurt for a spell, didn't really break through, Hamburg for a spell, that was a bit of a trouble-torn club because of the nature of circumstances there, Freiburg, who have a very good reputation for you know, for the basics, for uh, bringing players through, for making them better under Christian Streich. And he clearly thought that that going to Benfica, where obviously it's a different challenge, you know, at Benfica, you know better than I, you have more of a target on your back as a player because everybody, every other team wants to perform well against Benfica. That can be a showcase in itself. But you are competing for honours when you're at Benfica. You're playing for a team with, with much higher expectations than Freiburg, for example, who you know would be a, a mid-table team really at best, even though at times they were better than that this season, uh, but not a team that's ever really going to challenge for the Bundesliga or indeed, in all likelihood, for the Champions League. It's a much more modest club. So I think that what you mentioned, learning a language, can come into it, making you a better all-around person, making you somebody who, um, you know, could be a bit of a world traveler as a footballer. And I would imagine with Waldschmidt, again, just bearing in mind this trajectory, that Benfica will not be his last move. I know that the Benfica project is quite interesting, and um, I've heard some of the noises coming out of Benfica. You know, they would like to be you know, less a, a, 
a club that has a player for a year or so and then sells them on. So uh, it'll be interesting with Val Schmidt. He, he didn't, what I would say, is the only negative I would say is he didn't necessarily really kick on, I, I didn't think, in the second half of the season so much. But I do wonder if that injury took its toll because, again, to get back to it, it was you know, a facial injury, it was a knee injury, it was a calf injury all in one. It was a collision with the, the goalkeeper of Belarus in that um, national team game. You could probably find the footage of the incident online. And um, uh, so he, his form suffered a bit. But I remember the last game of the season against Schalke, he really did excel and was a man of the match performance, netted a couple of times. So that was a good way to go out with Freiburg. And yeah, all in all, I, I think it's um, it's a move that's, that I, I'm quite intrigued by to see, because we haven't really seen this so much from German players in, in recent seasons. And Germany hasn't necessarily been a market for teams like Benfica. So let's hope it's win-win for both. I think on the point that you made about the transfer approach, perhaps Benfica changing their approach as a club, so not seeing themselves just as a production line for youth talent, of which they are very, very good at. That's a model that you know they've exercised for the, the last couple of years and, and made great profits from. But perhaps starting to see themselves more as a club who can attract players that are already in that mid-stage of the career or towards the end, as we saw with Jan Vertonghen. Obviously, Julian Weigel decided to go there last season from Borussia Dortmund, which was a big move, not only for Benfica, but big for Portuguese football. Now we've got this move of 24-year-old Waldschmidt. This could be perhaps Benfica deciding to build a stronger side to have more of a go in Europe. Do you see with these recent transfers and, and the noise surrounding Benfica at the moment, them having a, a, a better go at Europe, whether it be passing through the Champions League qualifiers and going into the Champions League proper or having a real good go in the Europa League? I would hope so, because, of course, we, well, I, I grew up with Benfica as one of the, the great storied names in European football. I'm not going to say they're not anymore, but as we've discussed, business models can take over. And, you know, Benfica have done, I think, what they've they've done very well, which is uh, assess who the good young players are they can bring in. But the knowledge is there that they can sell them on. Um you know, the fact that Julian Weigel uh, made that move is another one. I mentioned that there hadn't really been a market for German players, but I, I do wonder if that has opened a few eyes to, to what is out there, what could be out there. And, um, yeah, I, I like the, the trajectory of it all. I, I like the fact that it does seem as though there's a commitment to signing players who are maybe not at the sort of the midway point of their careers, but getting on for that. I think with Waldschmidt, you'd have to say that, that he's not a youngster. He's, he's somebody who's established, somebody who's getting better. But I think somebody who can get better still playing for a team like Benfica with all the pressures that go with that. And I think that might be the next stage of his career because at Freiburg that there are not the same pressures. So it's one I'll be watching very closely. And as I say, uh, Benfica, uh, with that rich history, it, it's a name that immediately conjures up memories of uh, of grand performances on the European stage in my youth. And so, yeah, all the best to Benfica for the season to come. And, and I do hope, as somebody who covers the Bundesliga, that this venture into the German market is something that, that might take more of a permanent hold. So there we have it. That was our interview with Derek Ray once again. I just want to say a big thank you for Derek for taking the time out to come on. And I'm sure his words will will really excite Benfica fans, to be honest. The fact that 
he sounds like a really versatile player. He sounds hungry. He sounds like he can do a lot off the ball as well. And Derek remarked that he's a creator, not just a scorer. So that might suit Benfica down to the ground. Another creative player, but also somebody who quite clearly knows where the goal is. Now, going into the next transfer, we've got the three-year deal of Jan Vertonghen from Tottenham Hotspur to Benfica. Now, for this one, I got in touch with a journalist who writes on both the English national team and also Tottenham Hotspur. He specialises in Tottenham. He knows the club inside out and he knows the players inside out. So I just wanted to get a Tottenham Hotspur perspective on the transfer. We all know what Jan Vertonghen offers as a player, both on the field and off the field. But it was great to get that real, that real insider perspective. So this is my interview with Dan Kilpatrick from the Evening Standard. I hope you enjoy. So first of all, Dan, thank you for coming on to the show. You're very welcome. It's good to be here. Lovely stuff. So it's a signing that's got a lot of attention, both in Portugal and beyond. I noticed that a lot of the mainstream media around Europe have picked this up. It's quite a, a high-profile player. So we'll kick it off with a nice, easy one. Jan Vertonghen and Benfica, do you think this is a, a good move for Jan? And why do you think this this point in his career he as he decided to leave Tottenham and, and pursue another adventure abroad? Well, I think the two questions go hand in hand, really, because I think Vertonghen's the kind of guy who would have been thinking as much about life off the pitch as life on the pitch. So I know for a fact that he wanted to try a new culture, he wanted to try a new league, he wanted to potentially learn a new language. So he's someone that would have looked at the whole package around the club and not just what's going on on the field. And I've got to admit, you know, I don't know a huge amount about Ben, you know, what's happening at Benfica at this moment in time, but I know that he would have probably looked at the the city of Lisbon as, as quite an appealing place to live. He would have looked at the culture. I'm sure he would have spoken to Eric Dyer. Um, he would have looked at the lifestyle. Um, his, his missus is, I think, in, in theatre and they had a very kind of nice and, and sort of cultured uh, life in, in North London. Um, and, and he would have looked at the, um, yeah, he would have looked at the, the whole package and, and made a call, I think. And he was certainly interested in Southern Europe. So there was interest in Spain and Italy uh, as well. Um, but I think it's a, you know, it's a good move from him. I think Portugal's a really kind of underrated country. And, um, you know, from, from the few times I've been there, I've, I've absolutely loved it. So, yeah, as I said, I, I, I just think this is as much about... Um, the life he's going to have in his kind of latter years as, as it is the football. But, you know, that's not to say that the football isn't isn't unimportant. So on the pitch, uh, a question I know a lot of uh, Benfica fans are, are, are eager to ask is they have two promising young central defenders at the club, one in, in Ruben Dias, who's now a, a full Portuguese international, and also Ferro, who is another Portuguese defender. Now, do you think Vertonghen's, he's the type of player who can have an influence on these players and sort of mould them as they go into the next couple of years of their career? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's a really experienced guy. He's got over 100 caps for Belgium. So he's been a huge part of Belgium's golden generation. I think probably uh, the most capped player of, golden, of Belgium's golden generation. And he's been a really pivotal player for Spurs over the last seven or eight years. And... He obviously leaves Spurs without having won the thing, which is really kind of disappointing and frustrating for him. But he's still got a huge amount of experience and he's obviously played in the Champions League final. He's played in the latter stages of World Cups. Um, he's played in big semi-final, domestic semi-finals and he's been involved in 
um, a couple of um, you know, fairly exciting title challenges in the Premier League as well. So he's a player that you know does have a lot of experience. Um, certainly over the last few years, you know, he's not quite been the same in terms of his, his pace and athleticism. So he's been he has been on the decline physically, but what he kind of lacks in in speed and maybe that extra yard of pace now he, he he's always you know been able to make up in his head. So I think he'll certainly be a guy who who'll come to Benfica and and bring as much kind of off the pitch around the training ground and in the dressing room as he does on it. In terms of, you mentioned his, his honours there and leaving Tottenham, unfortunately, without having won anything. I know the last time he, he won a trophy was back, I think, in 2012 or with um, or 2011 with Ajax. So do you think, as well as the off-the-field things, that desire for silverware, going to somewhere like, you said, a, a pretty underrated league, do you think he'll look at Benfica as a as a team and Portugal as a country where he can get a little bit of silverware? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think every player wants to win trophies, no matter what stage of their career they're at. And Vertonghen's no different. I'm sure it'll be quite a big source of frustration for Vertonghen to be involved in probably the most exciting Spurs team of the Premier League era. In fact, definitely the most promising and exciting Spurs team in the Premier League era. And as I said, Belgium's golden generation to have been a, a huge part of both those sides uh, and not one thing. You know, that will be a source of frustration to him. I know it is. So I think he'll be looking at um, yeah, Benfica as somewhere he can win silverware, uh, both domestically and in Europe in, in the last stage of his career. And, and that will, will definitely have been a, a consideration in his decision to move there as well. Um, it, it's kind of, it was a kind of running theme at Spurs, really, over, over the last couple of years. I mean, Ericsson... Christian Eriksen was the same. You know, he wanted to experience a new lifestyle, a new culture, learn new language, and and also win stuff. And he went to Inter for that reason. And obviously, they're in the Europa League final now, so he might, um, you know, he might be about to achieve that. And you know, there have been a couple of players who who, who wanted to try something new, but just grown a little bit frustrated with with falling short uh, every time. And yeah, but Vertonghen will be of that mindset as well, I think. You mentioned before about the the late physical limitations that that Vertonghen's had noticed when you look at his statistics in the Premier League. He, he goes from playing, you know, thirty odd games, near enough thirty eight game seasons, to especially in the last two campaigns dropping to I think it was twenty two or twenty three games. So it's clear that he he hasn't been as consistent. Um, I know you noticed you said before that he um, physically a little bit of his pace had gone, but do you think he he's the type of player that's able to adapt and use that intelligence in the Portuguese league? Which, when we take into consideration, it's it's not as it's not as quick, it's not as physical as the Premier League. Do you think this is a, a good destination for him to to see out maybe the the last couple of years of his career? Yeah, I mean, I don't know a huge amount about the Portuguese league, but I mean, in terms of Vertonghen, he's definitely a smart player. I mean, he can play in several positions, which I think is always the sign of a quite an intelligent footballer. I mean, he's pretty comfortable at left back. And when he was at Ajax, he played in midfield. And I think in his younger days, he could have comfortably played holding midfield in the Premier League as well. He never actually played there for Spurs. But that's always a sign of someone who's who's fairly switched on and, and you know thinks about the game. And, and he'll be thinking about how he can kind of manage his, himself and his body in his latter years as a footballer. Um, he's definitely declined... Uh, in the last few, few, well, not in the last few years, maybe in the last year, I would say. Um, this, if you think back to just 
last season, so the season before the one just gone. Um, he was absolutely phenomenal when Spurs beat Bristol Dortmund in the Champions League run in the quarterfinal. Um, sorry, in the last 16. He played left back. It was probably one of his best games for Spurs, if not his best ever game. Um, and he was phenomenal. He got an assist and he scored. And he was all all over the left flank. Um, and, you know, since then, so in, in the last kind of 18 months or so, he's definitely kind of declined physically a bit. And there was a game last season uh, against Southampton where he was hooked by Mourinho early in the FA Cup and he kind of walked back to the bench and he looked like a broken man and he was really crestfallen and, and he'd been really, really poor. And it looked like he kind of knew that his career as a, as a very top-level Premier League player was probably at an end or coming to an end. But to go back to your question, he's, as I said, he, he's a clever guy. He, he'll know how to, to adapt. And, and his positioning's always been one of the, the strongest parts of his game. Technically, he's always been very, very strong. So he'll be able to, he'll be able to hold his own, I think, in, in a slightly uh, slower league, um, even if he's not you know, the player he, he once was. One of the biggest issues for Benfica last season with them losing the title was a little bit of that defensive fragility. So losing concentration at vital moments and, and just sort of making those defensive lapses that, that in the end cost titles. Do you think Jan Vertonghen even now at 33 years of age is, is someone who can come in and provide that consistency and that, that solidity at the back? Yeah, I mean, like any defender, he's, he's had a, the odd hairy spot. But I mean, he's honestly... At his peak for Spurs, he was just so consistent. Uh, he was really was an outstanding player. And I think his partnership with Toby Alderweireld, he's obviously his Belgium teammate as well, was probably one of the strongest, for, for a couple of years certainly, was probably one of the strongest defensive partnerships you know, the Premier League's seen. Uh, it was really, really solid. And I think Alderweireld at that time was probably a slightly better defender, but Vertonghen was the better footballer. You know, he's always had that kind of Ajax, that Ajax education has always really run through everything he does. So he's very good on the ball. He's great at bringing the ball out. Um, I, I don't know what system Benfica play, but he, the the best he's ever looked was briefly when Pochettino played a back three uh, with Dyer and Alderweireld and Vertonghen. And Vertonghen was on the left side of the back three. And he was the guy who was kind of allowed to basically roam forward and bring the ball out and, and kind of charge up the pitch. And he was absolutely sensational when he played there. Um, in his first season at Spurs as well, going back on under Andre Villas-Boas, he actually scored quite a few goals. I can't remember how many it was in the season, but it was you know at least four or five. And again, he just had this license to get forward. So, um, yeah, he's he's not always been your kind of traditional defender. But at the same time, yeah, he he hasn't made many mistakes. He hasn't made um, many clangers. He he tend he's tended to be a guy who's he's maintained a really good level of consistency. And obviously, as I've said before, you know, it has dropped off in the last year or so. He's been more of a squad player. Uh, he hasn't quite looked the same physically. But I think to repeat what we've already said, you know, in a slightly slower league, if he, if he gets a run of games and he gets um, in a back two or back three, um, you know, he has the potential to be a really solid and, and consistent performer. Just want to say, finally, Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and and speak about Batongan. I know lots of Benfica fans and just Portuguese football fans in general will have loved to hear the comments tonight. So thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, you're welcome. And enjoy Jan. Um, I think you'll um, yeah, I think you'll appreciate him. He's uh, 
he's a good guy and a good player. Top man. Thank you so much, Dan. So there you have it. That's our interview with Dan from the Evening Standard. I just want to say once again a big thank you to Dan for coming on and giving us all a bit of insight into Jan both as a man off the field as well as on it. He mentioned a couple of times that Jan is a, a real good person, a real good man to have around the club. And I think coming off the back of a disappointing Benfica season last season, that might be just what the club needs. Someone someone with a big spirit, someone that can, can rally up the players and put an arm around the younger defenders. And, and hopefully that contributes to better performances in Europe. I think if SL Benfica can get through the qualifying rounds and get into the Champions League proper, that's good for the country, it's good for the coefficients and it's good for the club. FC Porto goes straight into the group stages and they've displayed in recent history in particular that they're more than capable of getting out of the groups and making a good goal for in the knockout stages. The Europa League teams, again, whether it be Sporting or Braga or Rio Ave, to have as good a go as possible and go as far as they can. Again, it's all good for the coefficients, it's good for the league, it's good for the exposure. So that wraps up today's podcast. Um, Hopefully, I'll be back uh, next week, if not the week after, with a Transfers Overview podcast. Again, finally, I just want to reiterate my thanks for both guests today. They gave us some fantastic insider knowledge and hopefully gave Benfica fans a little bit more insight into the players and the season that they may have next season. So, that's all from me, Adam Barton, signing out. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Prosima Jornada podcast. <laughs>